Hello, I'm Harry. Hello, I'm Rory, and you're listening to Games on Film. Welcome back to Games on Film, the podcast that celebrates video game movies. And and after a year of massive IP properties, creating billion-dollar movies, films like the Super Mario Brothers movie and Barbie and Oppenheimer, <laughs> uh, what is the IP we're tackling today, Rory? We are discussing the adaptation of indie horror title, Five Nights at Freddy's. Because mm. <laughs> at time of recording, it's been a smash hit. So, yeah, I guess everything's back to normal. <laughs> <laughs> and we are joined this episode by uh, VFX and animation expert. And my wife, Lisa Teresa Downey Dent. Hello. You did that husband thing of like not being a hundred percent sure of what your wife does. It's like what is that <laughs> title again? I'm trying to translate it for the lay audience. Yeah. <laughs> and you kind of here as our translator today because out of the pair of us, you're the one who's most into the Five Nights at Freddy's lore, aren't you? Yes, I guess uh, I spend a bit more time with the material than the two of you. Mm-hmm. But I also enjoy how it makes grown men scream. <laughs> yeah, That's what women want to hear nowadays. The screaming of straight white men, like crying, whimpering. But Yes, bonus point if there are some tears. Yeah, but it has to be because they are scared not because i don't know uh, a woman is in this film now i don't know <laughs> <laughs> well i'm very excited you're having me back so thank you very much yes thank you uh five nights and freddy's as you say has been quite the success story already we're recording um the week after its opening weekend and on its 20 million dollar budget um it's already made 80 million in the USA alone, 132 globally in the number one movie at the box office, despite also being released simultaneously in America on the Peacock streaming service. So it's done pretty impressively at the cinemas and presumably done pretty well at home. It's the biggest opening weekend ever for a Bloomhouse production, second biggest video game movie opening in the US ever after the Super Mario Brothers movie, and the third biggest ever horror debut in the United States after the It chapter one and two releases. So it's done all right. Yeah, It's also not three and a half hours long, Martin Scorsese. <laughs> this is what you think. If you, if, you made, if you made Killers of the Flower at Moon 80 minutes long, you could have had so many more screenings um i've not seen it i'm sure it's i'm sure it's absolutely worth all that time 
Um, you know, I just feel like Martin Scorsese hates my bladder. Percy, he's got a vendetta against it. Um, so, you know, he's responsible for lots of urine-soaked cinema seats across the land, <laughs> I'm assuming. Or... As is Five Nights at Freddy's, or is <laughs> yeah. it? At least this film isn't Five Nights Long, Five Nights at Freddy's. At least it's that. And actually... I'm going to count how many times I call this Five Guys at Freddy's because it's very difficult not to call it Five Guys at <laughs> it's Freddy's. It's so difficult. I do that all, like, even just in my head, if I think about it. Where was all the promotional tie-ups? I mean, I know that the titular Freddy's or Freddy Fazbear's is kind of like it's a pizzeria. pizzeria. Mm. But McDonald's sure they is, they did They did pizzas in the 80s. It's um mm. yeah, it's a long story about how it turns out you can't make pizzas as quickly as you can make a burger, so it causes real uh, pile ups. But anyway, <laughs> <laughs> pizza pizza pile ups. Well, we ate some free pizza slices at EGS, sponsored by Five Nights at Freddy's. There was a Five Nights at Freddy's pizza truck. Yes, what um, a marketing campaign! Way yeah. to make everyone love you. Mm. It was cool. I mean, yeah. It's the game. It's the gamers' food of choice. You know, <laughs> couldn't have asked for a better cross promotion. I thought it was Cool Ranch Doritos and Mountain Dew, but uh... <laughs> <laughs> but yes, I suppose the original game. The reason why it's been a success is because the game itself was quite a huge success as a sort of indie horror title. The first game was released in 2014 with rapid sequels and, and spin-offs um, being released uh, in, you know, I think the first sequel came out that same year and then two more sequels in 2015 and was the work, uh, solo work of developer Scott Cawthon, who um, is also the co-writer of the story and screenplay of this movie. And he actually got his start um, originally making sort of Bible games and Christian mm -hmm. games. He's a, he's a devout Christian, apparently, and made some Bible animations uh, as well. Nice. And then, like, pivoted towards terrifying um, children across the world. I read it's because his character designs were unintentionally scary, and he thought, screw it, <laughs> I would make him, I'll make them actually scary. That's kind of what I read anyway. Just lean into the horror. Fair play. That's called... Um, it might not have been intended as constructive criticism, but he took it as such. <laughs> I think the reason for its success is partially a, a couple of things. I think one thing, there was an article by Keith Stewart of The Guardian recently all about why indie games are perfect for horror. And I suppose it's much the same as indie movies in terms of when you've got a restricted budget or you're working on a small team, the easiest way to maybe get a reaction or get some success behind you is to use horror. Um, it certainly helps if you can mask your graphics in darkness um, <laughs> and use, you know, some little jump scare tricks, etc., to um, get a reaction from the audience. And it's sort of like Five Nights at Freddy's reminds me a little bit. Did you ever play that scary maze game? There was like a no. I can kind of guess what it's about, though. <laughs> well, it was like a prank game which did the rounds on the internet, and the idea was that you just 
would get a friend to play this little labyrinth and they just move this character around this tiny sort of 2D labyrinth. And you do one stage and then you do the next stage and then you do the third stage. But as you got to the end of the third stage, suddenly a picture of Linda Blair and the Exorcist would flash <laughs> up on the screen with, with a loud streaming noise. Uh, the idea to make your friend or whoever you're pranking like jump instantly and then you share the reaction i've certainly seen that meme yeah and so i the tour of five nights at freddy's at least in the first game and what this film sort of you know takes its cues uh from to an extent is you are in the position of a security guard who is monitoring the cameras of a mm, run-down pizzeria sort of inspired by, in America, Chuck E. Cheese, which is a kind of entertainment restaurant with a bunch of animatronic characters. I know it sort of primarily through the sort of takeoff of it, I think Wally Weasel in The Simpsons. I think that was my first introduction to the idea that you'd have like a pizzeria slash arcade with animatronic characters playing rock instruments. Yeah, being, um, being entertained by shit while you eat is a very American <laughs> thing, I think. Uh, yeah, so it, it's playing on that. And the idea in the game is that you have to survive five nights and um, you are told... Uh, by an answer phone message that the animatronic characters tend to walk around at night and if you're not too careful, they may attack you and stuff you into an animatronic suit thinking that you're sort of outside of character and you have a dwindling power supply and you must use that to both monitor the cameras uh, keep the doors locked if they approach your security office or use a light to check if there's anything lurking in the corridors. And, you know, with very little, I think it's very effective. I think you what just your... made that sound really boring. <laughs> well, it doesn't sound like the worst job I've ever had either. So, yeah, I can handle that. Um, and just six but... hours, midnight to 6am. Not so yeah. bad. Yeah. Well, mm. you didn't make it to the end, though. You didn't see his paycheck at the end of the week. So <laughs> <laughs> it's maybe not the best job ever. Uh, now, concerning your safety, the only real risk to you as a night watchman here, if any, is the fact that these characters, uh, if they happen to see you after hours, probably won't recognize you as a person. They'll, they'll most likely see you as a metal endoskeleton without its costume on. Now, since that's against the rules here at Freddy Fazbear's Pizza, they'll probably try to forcefully stuff you inside a Freddy Fazbear suit. Um, now, that wouldn't be so bad if the suits themselves weren't filled with crossbeams, wires, and animatronic devices, especially around the facial area. So you can imagine how having your head forcefully pressed inside one of those could cause a bit of discomfort and death. Uh, the only parts of you that would likely see the light of day again would be your eyeballs and teeth when they pop out the front of the mask. <laughs> yeah, they don't tell you these things when you sign up. But hey, first station of the breeze. I'll chat with you tomorrow. 
Uh, check those cameras and remember to close the doors only if absolutely necessary. Got to conserve power. All right. Good night. I mean, so Lisa, when did you first encounter this yourself? Maybe 2015-16. I just, I watched them as I do. And I mean, I'm not this hardcore Five Nights at Freddy's mega fan, but Mm -hmm. I do think it's just so cleverly constructed with so little. So Mm -hmm. I think... um, even though, you know, it's not one of those unreal, super realistic mega graphics, the first one at least, um, and there's so little happening, but it really captures the atmosphere of being somewhere really late at night. It's not a very nice place. And I don't know how you feel about open doors. I absolutely hate open doors. It's like (laughs) such a pet peeve of mine. Um, And you just sit basically in your chair and to your left and to your right, you have these open doors, which are just pitch black darkness with the knowledge of you can't close them because you're run out of power, but you have to be quick enough in case the animals come to get you. And that gets so terrifying after a while. I think you start the game and you think, Oh sure, whatever, this is fine. The animals are not even that scary. They're kind of cute, but it, it grinds you down. It really gets to you, I think. And I just, I love that. I mean, I played this for the first time about a week ago when I was over at your your place. And I thought it was much more going to be you walking around the the fast food joints. Now, that might be something which happens in the sequels. Do you have more freedom of movement in the sequels? Or is it always in a room? Is it always in the one room? Yes and no. So okay. there are so many sequel games. Yes, and spin-offs. Um, it, most of them take the idea of this very constricted uh, setup, you know, where you just sit there and you get to press buttons. It changes it slightly up. Sometimes it's not just the doors. You get more things on the menu. You have to, um, the menu on the screen that you have to, um, you have to take control of. But this basic setup is happening in a lot of the other games. There are one, two spin-off, well, not spin-off, sequel games where you can walk around, especially Security Breach, mm-hmm. where you are playing a little homeless kid staying after hours accidentally in this entertainment facility. And you sneak around, but also that was done by a different company. So maybe that's also why it's different. Mm. I mean, I, I asked this because, as I said, I was, I was surprised that when I switched it on, um, I actually I watched Rory first. And I found it completely bewildering because he was just lightning speed going through all the security cameras. And like, I don't even know what I'm looking for here. It's one of those <laughs> things which it was quite hard to watch. But once I was playing it myself, um, yeah, it's the complete lack of, of freedom. And I read in one of the reviews of the game how um, it's 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 got this reputation for jump scares. And there is a jump scare like at the end when you fail but most of the game is kind of waiting for the jump scare. We we love Resident Evil. We love the monsters. But the best stuff, the scariest stuff, is wondering if there's going to be a monster around that corner. 
and what I played with Five Nights at Freddy's was a real distillation or like a, a purification of that concept. And yeah, I, um, I got to a place where I thought I had a real handle on what I was doing on the game, on my power levels. I thought, I'm going to check my map because there's definitely no monster here near me at the moment. And then I pulled down my map and it was right there in my face. And I kind <laughs> of crapped myself inside out. And uh, Lisa asked me, was I kind of faking that because of such an extreme reaction? And no, it was the genuine reaction. In <laughs> fact, very I used to, big it was a big reaction. <laughs> the thing is, I used to play, which I read here come, came out the same year as Five Nights at Freddy's, Alien Isolation. And we've actually done an episode on Alien Isolation and the Alien franchise back in the day, uh, back in the day, you know, on the podcast back in the day. Um, I will say... We're probably going to talk about how the pop culture footprint of this franchise, and I'm feeling very old at the moment. <laughs> um, but back in the day, I would play Alien Isolation with headphones on uh, because you know my missus didn't want to like hear Alien Isolation. But what she did hear was me every five minutes completely shrieking the house down. I am. Um, <laughs> I don't. Know. I don't deal with fear in games. I love horror games, but I don't deal with the fear. Yeah, Monsters Inc. would make a a real mm. load of streams just by sticking Alien Isolation and hooking their power source up to the streams of everyone playing that instead. You know, are they responsible? <laughs> <laughs> um, well, speaking of the of the cultural impact, I think the rise of the popularity of Five Nights at Freddy's can also be seen with, I guess, the sort of rise of popularity of streamers. Um, and, you know, a game like Five Nights at Freddy's is... Not the birthday is, kind. No. no. Like YouTube streamers. Uh, yeah, YouTube streamers, <laughs> Twitch streamers. Um, definitely, like, Five Nights at Freddy's is, is a game which is sort of perfectly designed for watching other people play um and getting their sort of reactions and 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 such uh so yeah i i think without that maybe the sort of the impact of the game you know if it had been released even sort of like i don't know a few years prior or or, or whatever i it might have even sort of skipped that mm, in terms true. of the in terms of the impact and i think as a result it's also just had this huge you know, because a lot of young kids watch Twitch streamers and Just like me. Such. <laughs> um, young kids. Footloose and fancy you know. free. But like, this is the era <laughs> of the reaction video. That's another thing. So this is why yeah. I say I feel old, because I'm going to throw my hands up. 40-year-old man. I don't know. I, I don't get watching Twitch streamers. I don't get reaction videos. I'm going to... You know, I've got real, you mentioned The Simpsons. We always talk about The Simpsons. I'm very much Principal Skinner, wondering if he's so out of touch. No, it's the kids who must be wrong. Um, <laughs> I uh, I just don't get watching somebody play a game. And I think perhaps watching people enjoy Five Nights at Freddy's is different because you are watching somebody effectively on a ghost train and you're waiting for their reaction. But I can only imagine... Can be being very cynical here that they are put they are over egging their reactions for um YouTube when I kept well, it real, I don't know 
<laughs> you would have been excellent. I was, I was a genuine baby, but you know. someone would have definitely clipped that. Um, yeah, the rise of the pole face and all that kind of stuff. I mean, I, I think, I suppose you know, like uh, the most popular games that people, like kids, would, would be watching would be stuff like Minecraft, would be stuff like Fortnite. I think you know that's where a lot of, or or um, you know, uh, player unknown battlegrounds or something like that you sound so old (laughs) Mm. i can't deal all right the youngest person here kids will be watching minecraft yeah i think the core games are probably very popular for the reasons that harry said because it's just more entertaining to see someone uh have a big reaction whether it's acted out or genuine yeah but that's what i'm saying is that i can see why people would watch people playing this uh maybe above some of the other titles because of that sort of like you know reaction watching your favorite streamer like stream a lot well as someone who came to this franchise watching streamers do it Mm. i have to just say it doesn't get less scary if you watch someone else play it Mm. and also you then get scared because they get scared so you basically get like triple scared (laughs) Um, so it, is, it is like watching a horror movie and actually it is a bit yeah I, I mean forgive me i if i'm wrong lisa but you're not a huge horror person are you, you... i'm not a horror movie person because mm. i can't deal with gore and i also can't deal with being scared uh, <laughs> <laughs> if you tell me this is scary i will scream as the menu comes on because I think one another reason why this has become a huge success is that um, it is kind of a gateway horror type thing, isn't it? The games aren't terribly, they're not gory at all, are they? Because they, I think, I mean, you correct me if I'm wrong, but what, what I saw, the design was very scary. It was very spooky. Um, but when my game ended, I just got a face full of fuzzbear, basically. <laughs> and... Then it ends. And so actually, as a complete outsider, and really, I first encountered this really through the merch, like filling every video game store and like, you know, there were Funkos and I believe in all of that jazz. I had no idea that maybe its its primary audience were like, were like young teenagers, um, mm. like yourself, Lisa. And, like myself, fifteen-year-old uh, Lisa. But, oh, but you're my sorry, wife. eighteen. That's, that's Let's say eighteen. Eighteen. Is okay. <laughs> yes. yes. Rory's wife is over age. Child bride. Child bride from another country. <laughs> you want to cut that out? Um, <laughs> but like I, I so it was my surprise again. This me seeming really out of touch. That when in the UK this film was announced as a fifteen, there's like a lot of people very cross. Uh, mm. And having mm. seen the film, I would rate it a fifteen. But it sort of shows you how in America this was a PG thirteen. Uh, it was aimed to be a PG thirteen. I think it's it's pretty. I mean, I say it should be a fifteen, but it's it is pretty gore light, and you know, I think it falls. I think it's a little stronger than the whole Goosebumps vibe. Goosebumps is what I can relate to. Or there is like a Goosebumps new show on Disney Plus right now, I believe. But um, 
I don't but know. Isn't Goosebumps for small kids? It is. is that not I, like for eight-year-olds? I, 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 I think it rides this line, but I think it's because some of the subject matter, which we'll get into, mm-hmm. uh, I think is stuff which maybe is a bit bit too unsettling. But then I've heard people in America say, I've taken my kids to see this film. They absolutely loved it. It was just like perfect gateway horror and they've they've loved all the games and i just don't know if, if i was a if, if i was a dad and i came in and my kid was playing five nights at freddy's i'd be like huh well you shouldn't be playing that you should be playing mortal Kombat like i did as a kid ripping heads <laughs> off people and throwing them into acid and like gouging their eyes out and things such a hypocrite <laughs> i think i think the issue is is yeah less so much the gore and more maybe some sort of, some sort of tone uh and and such and i believe that in belfast they've approved giving it a 15a certificate like a 12a mm-hmm. um because local councils can override bbfc decisions i think they did the same for the batman and i feel like the batman was probably a bit more grim and and you yeah. know sort of menacing and and stuff full of it's- despair than this that's just stuff from this and in that Batman movie where I'm like, but okay, just because a kid can see it, this stuff seems really boring and for and too much for grown ups. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like uh, I yeah. have a real issue with all the gangster stuff in the Batman movie because I just find it hella dull and it's like it's like a little version of the Sopranos or something. It's just rubbish. Well, um, when we went to, we saw this on opening night. Mm-hmm. and there were kids being turned away because they didn't have wow. an, the right ID. I mean, I assume they were trying to see Five Nights at Freddy's and not Killers of the Flower Moon. Um, <laughs> killers, but... killers. <laughs> Barton Fink. Um, yeah. But uh, I could sort of, we could tell that there were some kids who were going buying tickets for other movies and then hopping into the mm. other screens showing Five Nights at Freddy's. That's sort of watermarks, um, I guess. <laughs> It, but they're kind of it the, was a bit cute. But yeah. there were only teenagers in our screening. Yeah, yeah. We were the oldest people there. Probably. You brought your thermos and your <laughs> knitted, your knitted blanket to have in your knees, and your boiled sweets. <laughs> the first game came out in 2014. So if you were watching people playing that game when you were six years old, you were mm-hmm. too young. But by the time the film came out, you'd be 15. So I sort you of feel like... You are already disturbed and traumatized. Like, if you love Five Nights at Freddy's and you're like an OG fan, you will have, you'd be old enough now to go see the movie. <laughs> yeah, so stop complaining, kids. <laughs> <laughs> Says I, who went to see the South Park movie when I was technically uh, 14. But I guess, you know, this movie coming out, obviously they're catering to the fan base that already exists. Yes. But at the same time, if you were a teen and this movie was advertised, you'd probably be interested, even if you don't know the games. Yeah, yeah. And I I suppose just in terms of the film development, you know, building up the hype for it, there was the film, uh, I think, was announced or at least in development since 2015. Um, Originally... Uh, to direct and co-write was Gil Keenan, who did Monster House and was also a co-writer of Ghostbusters Afterlife and will be directing the next Ghostbusters movie. Um, Then attached was Chris Columbus 
of Home Alone 1 and 2, Mrs. Doubtfire, Harry Potter 1 and 2, and pertinent to the podcast, Pitzels. He was in the director's chair for a bit. That tone would have been so different. <laughs> well, Home Alone is kind of almost I know, but also family the horror. tone. I mean, just imagine. <laughs> um, but uh, it's ended up director Emma Tammy, who uh, before this, I think, did an indie horror called The Wind. But this is probably her, I guess, biggest film to date. But because of the, the road to development and then eventual release, I suppose in the interim, there have been a few Five Nights at Freddy's-esque films. Mm -hmm. There was the Banana Splits movie of 2019 using the original Banana Splits fully licensed IP, except it's the Banana Splits going on a murderous rampage. Well, I guess they sing the Banana Splits theme tune. Uh, And Willy's Wonderland starring Nicolas Cage. Mm. Um, which has pretty much the same premise as Five Nights yeah. at Freddy's, but I, I have not, not seen either. No, so I don't I know cannot, why I didn't. Uh, I think they both they got very mixed reviews at the end of the day, and I thought I'm not yeah. going to trust my own judgment. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let other um, people decide. But yes, I, I don't know uh, if we have a synopsis uh, for the film to hand. Uh, no, what I can do, I can. I have a few tabs open, including uh, freddy-fazbears-pizza.fandom.com, aka the wiki <laughs> of Five Nights at Freddy's. So I think I the, orig- do- the uh, synopsis is a troubled security guard takes a job at. <laughs> Five guys. Freddie <laughs> takes a job at, at a Five Guys pizzeria. <laughs> yeah. And is uh let me <laughs> let me try to to say this by heart and then you read the original one. Okay. But the official one, right? Yeah, I'm on okay. the website now, so, so I'm looking at the synopsis. A troubled security guard takes a new job at a rundown pizzeria where he meets enigmatic police officer Vanessa and uncovers the truth behind the disturbing mystery of the franchise. Something like that. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Hit it. Okay, well, just the Google very quick synopsis. A troubled security guard begins working at Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria. Almost. While spending his first night on the job, he realizes the late shift at Freddy's won't be so easy to make it through. Mm. Mm. There is, you... there is one that mentions her though. Yeah, I think that's like the very short version. Uh, the website gives a very long version, which uh, I guess I'll just do a very. The terrifying horror game phenomenon becomes a blood-chilling cinematic event as Blumhouse, the producer of Megan, The Black Phone, Woo-hoo! and The Invisible Man, brings Five Nights at Freddy's to the big screen. The film follows Mike, Josh Hutcherson, Ultraman, the Hungry Games franchise, Woo. a troubled young man caring for his 10-year-old sister, Abby, Piper Rubio, Holly and Ivy, unstable, and haunted by the unsolved disappearance of his younger brother more than a decade before. Recently fired and desperate for work so that he can keep custody of Abby, Mike agrees to take a position as a night security guard at an abandoned-themed restaurant, Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, 
Do you might... want your audience to be able to understand what you're saying? <laughs> but Mike, see the that nothing at Freddy's is what it seems. With the aid of Vanessa, a local police officer, Elizabeth Lale, you, Mac and Rita, Mike's nights at Freddy's will lead him to unexplainable encounters with the supernatural and drag him into the black heart of an unspeakable nightmare. I have a job for you. Piece of cake, really. Security gig. Hello? Welcome to Freddy's. Have you met them yet? Met who? Foxy, Bonnie, Chica, and Freddy. Back in the 80s. Some kids went missing. What is this? why the place shut down. The police searched Freddy's. Hey! They never found the kids. <laughs> On the As a fan of the games, Lisa, what did you mm-hmm. think? What was your headline feelings of Five Nights at Freddy's? We are the podcast who celebrates video game movies. <laughs> I didn't hate it, but unfortunately, I came out being slightly disappointed. I will say I was disproportionately excited for it. Mm-hmm. Because as you mentioned earlier, I'm not much of a horror movie person. Um, but I do, again, really appreciate what the games are doing. And mm-hmm. I love Plumhouse. Like, absolutely adore them. Because what they do, they're making Lisa horror movies. They're, <laughs> <laughs> you know, they got horror premises uh, and plot lines. And bad things happen. And it is scary, but it is done in a very peachy kind of limited gore way. You were very brave for going to see this at the cinema. I was very scared. (laughs) I was so scared. You don't even know. Um, But yeah, they just make basically the perfect movies for me. So this combination and the trailer is insane. The trailer is so good. The marketing campaign is so on point. So this was going to be the highlight of my life. Uh, <laughs> so it's a bit husband. <laughs> the happiest day of my life. Happiest day of my life. Um, and I liked it. And for me and my viewing enjoyment, it was very good that it wasn't so scary because I could actually watch it without much difficulty. Mm-hmm. But in hindsight, I am a bit disappointed and sad that it wasn't scarier. I just wanted it to be more tense. I wanted it to be more terrifying. And as much as I hate jump scares, I really think they were lacking because the games are so based on them. I don't quite understand how this movie did not have much more. It's it's what I would have expected if I had been a teen going in there with my friends. I would have wanted to scream my head off 
for one and a half hours. And I don't <laughs> think that happened. I don't think we heard any screams. We didn't actually, you know. Maybe at the start a bit more, you know, getting excited for yeah. it, but not really. Mm. Rory, um, were you like fizzing in your seat because of how much you were enjoying this? What? Fizzing in my seat? Fizzing <laughs> in your seat. Like a, I don't know, like a, like the physical manifestation of popping candy. Um, well, so when we saw the film... Uh, He's avoiding the question. <laughs> in, in the kind of like far corner of the cinema, there were a bunch of youths mm-hmm. and they spent the duration of the film throwing skittles, arguing with each other and other audience members. At one point, they were sort of jumping up and down the chairs or either beating each other up. <laughs> um, there were noises. One of them was just lighting a lighter. So there's just like flickering fire coming from the other side of the screen every now and then. And watching this film, I kind of don't blame them. (laughs) There were points at which I felt like just jumping up and down in my seat just to make something happen. (laughs) You felt like setting something on fire. So much of Five Nights at Freddy's is spent weirdly in the daytime. Even when the character is dreaming, it's in the daytime. And... It's pretty much just a sort of like at least an hour of the film. Yeah, at least an. I'd say at least an hour of the film is just family drama, Mm -hmm. and I sort of I apparently fans like this movie. It's one of those things where critics hate Five Nights at Freddy's. Fans love Five Nights at Freddy's. They do, but I'm so pleased. See, I'm, this I mean, is nice. I'm very like happy that. for them. It's yeah. like when I saw the Sonnet movie and Sonnet fans thought this was the greatest thing ever. And I just thought, there's something very wrong with you, but well done. <laughs> and I felt like, and I can't hold it against anyone because like, I know that the Super Mario Brothers movie is not the finest work, but that made me tear up and cry in places just because it had a thing that I remember from my childhood. And I'm sure there's stats of Easter eggs in this where little nuggets of references and while, you know, we'll get into more detail, but while, you know, the game feels like a ghost train roller coaster ride, there's so much lore and so many, you know, so, so much attached to it. If you dig deeper into future installments and read all the spin-off novels and all this kind of stuff. So, you know, fans of the games love clearly what the film is doing in terms of representing or like, you know, making references to or setting up things that may pay off later. Um, But I also just can't understand why if the core gameplay mechanic is that sort of like that dread, that fear, that just so much of this is just, I mean, I, I don't mind having a balance in a horror film it's just so long and so drawn out and muddled and confused. And it feels more like a companion piece, like a story companion to the games. You play the games to have a fright and then you read, you watch this film to sort of fill in the backstory or have like a kind of side piece. So I don't think it works as an adaptation in my respect and it doesn't need to have more gore i think like say doctor strange and the multiverse of madness was more gruesome than than anything here 
Um, but I just sort of, I, I don't, I, I, I sort of feel like maybe this film would have benefited from actually not having any of the original creatives involved and someone just making a sort of stripped down adaptation. The fans wouldn't have liked it, but I think it would have been just like a, a better film <laughs> um, or at least yeah. a better ride. And I know that's maybe not what this is going for. I, it's clearly like the intention. This is the result of uh, what was intended to be put to film, but I just, I don't think it was a very, it's just not very interesting, sadly. No, I think something you said a moment ago, the fact that this this has a lot of involvement from the original creators, especially because it's co-written by the creator. I do wonder if that he, he was really fascinated with his own lore when for an outside film fan, and also mean my limited experience playing the game, I'm here to watch like, robot animals sneak around and kill people and there's actually very <laughs> little of that in the film um so not much tension at all and yes there's a lot of kind of interminable internable you know, interminable this, this is why i'm not an what actual film mean? critic um don't know interminable? interminable what does it mean well it's sort of like tedious and like yeah Big words. Just say tedious. Yeah. <laughs> Top tip. Um, so anyway, there's just lots of these kind of dream sequences um, and like backstory, which is like nothing to do with robots killing people. And <laughs> things. I, I'm really reluctant to kind of... Cr- I mean, we always try and celebrate what a film is and not what it isn't. And I'm fully aware that I've got a very surface level um, understanding of the franchise. And clearly this is resonating with fans who maybe are really into the law. I mean, I mean like hardcore, like reading all the books and everything, because I'm, I'm sure they're going through it saying, oh, I recognize this from that game. I recognize that from that game. But as like somebody who wants to go in and have not yeah horror, and, and and even as a, for a PG thirteen horror, just like a little bit of a thrill, like a bit of a, ooh spooky. Um, I didn't find the horror stuff especially spooky. Even I kind of the I mean the animatronics. I mean, you know, it should absolutely be celebrated that these robots are like animatronic physical creations, um, and I do think they work really well with the game because they're all hidden in shadows. I couldn't escape the fact that they felt they very much looked like people in suits. I don't know how to describe it. I think it's more because they're so top heady or heavy or something. And they, they didn't quite hit the uncanny Valley thing. I think they're going for, because I think what they want to do is try and make them from one angle look scary, but a one angle look cute. And mm-hmm. I'm not so, I just don't know if it, they quite pulled it off. I mean, it's obviously, perfectly like the um games but like for example there's the little cup cupcake is it called mr cupcake um yeah just cupcake or just so cute he's very cute but i never find him scary there's not that turn like even when he's you'd be scared if he eats that's the thing like whenever I, (laughs) i i often use the film i am legend as an example of like they have lots of fake looking vampires in that Will Smith movie. I mean, they're not vampires in 
the film they're like zombies or whatever and i always like to joke well now that would be really scary wouldn't it if you suddenly became poorly rendered and like your skin wasn't looking very <laughs> realistic anymore you, you, the light wasn't quite right and you'd be like oh what's happening to me these things are physical and there's scenes when they are creeping or there are scenes when they're creeping around and it looks you're kind of there but also thinking about it I've just reminded myself of my own thought. How does that work? <laughs> um, <laughs> well done. You know how the, in the Doctor Who, the villains, the weeping angels, the blink, you know, they they mm. kind of move when you're not watching. And I think that happens a lot in the game. Is that right? Um, you see, I think Foxy... A bit with Foxy. ...runs mm. down corridors. That's their, that's their thing. Um, but I don't know. I, I just didn't get a sense of threat um but maybe but maybe it's because i'm like oh, i've got the thick skin of a, of a horror fan or something so maybe it works <laughs> a lot more for for younger audiences i think the problem is that it is, is also just quite a bit with tone i think this takes itself far too seriously and it would it's fine if it goes all in with seriousness if there's something interesting happening but it also, and, and you know, it's quite nice to see something which doesn't just play everything like, well, that just happened. And just like, are oh, you seeing what I'm seeing? And, you know, that kind of stuff. Like people do take what happens at face value and not kind of, you know, it's not too sort of meta and, and self-knowing in that respect. But I think, that, you know, there's an inherent ridiculousness that this film only partially acknowledges, but if it played that up more, maybe it'd be more entertaining. Like there's some creepy moments where it's just like the figures like looking up at the security camera and staring at you and you're staring back at them. And that's like, it's creepy because they look so silly, but they're going to, they're doing something sinister or they're about to do something sinister. And I just don't think the film really did that often enough. And it just means that, you know, the, the very small attempts at sort of humour or, or acknowledging the situation most often fall flat and it's just a lot of sort of po-faced, yeah, family drama and oh, yeah, tragedy. And family, and... Also, the family drama is the sort of stuff which maybe doesn't belong in like a goofy a goofy killer robot movie or or the way it's portrayed, the tone of it. I don't know. We could talk about It just that. doesn't... But before we go into the family drama, can I just weigh in on yeah. the character design? Because I think we need a different perspective. I think they're absolutely yeah, no, sick us. talking like a teenager here. Um, I think they're so good. Yeah, They're just so cool. And I think for me, I see what you mean completely, but me as a complete wuss, it works perfectly because they're meant to be cute, but what they do is horrible. Mm. And that makes them so scary. And I do think the movie doesn't make enough of it. I think the opening is great when they kill that previous security guard. Yeah. And I think the moment where they actually... Spoilers. Oh, is that not what we're doing yet? Not yet. Okay, sorry. <laughs> Winding back. <laughs> I mean, okay, so I think the character design... <laughs> I thought we were already there. I'm sorry. We were talking so long now. Um, but I think... The people that made these animatronic characters for the movie, they did such a good job because they look exactly like the characters in the games, but live action versions of it. And I think they're so cool. And 
not to spoil anything, <laughs> but there was one moment where one of the characters just walks very slowly past a sort of window screen. And I just went out loud, <laughs> but because I hate it and I loved it. And again, I fully understand why it didn't work on you, but I, this is what I live for. So I think this was the best part of the movie, actually, mm-hmm. were the animatronic characters. Oh, well, I mean, I, I don't disagree with that at all, if I'm honest. I could have, like, um, the, the setting is great. I love the location. Yes. Um, so good. Yeah. There's scenes when, like, people are hiding in bull pool pits, which I thought that's just good use of the, of the location, like a, a kid's mm. entertaining sort of, you know. You eat so, while some people of it's... talk at you, sort of thing. And, and I think I think some of it is like effectively shot and framed. Um, I think there's just the the overall issues is the pacing and a lot of sort of tedious wading through some very complicated and ultimately making zero impact to the actual story. Um, you know, stuff about custody and you know mm. of you know I, I think that just gets really sort of like bogged down and, and those scenes last a long time I don't mind having that stuff in a film but you know the majority of the running time is that family trauma as yes. far as I could tell or at least it felt like it watching it uh, it's like hereditary um, all over again <laughs> <laughs> family drama well let's crack on with the spoilers then so we can uh, talk with so I can let it all out so you can let it all out yeah 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 dead kids in robot suits um (laughs) the phone guy is actually the serial killer like endless dreams (laughs) about like your dead brother and then waking up to reassure your kid sister, um, Matthew Lillard saying stuff like, I always come back, which is something from the games apparently, but doesn't make any sense in the context of the film. Uh, <laughs> and District 13 is not real. District 13? That's Did a... I miss something? Hunger Games. Oh, okay. Sorry, I was thinking of the parkour action movie. That's called District 13, right? <laughs> There's like a Hunger <laughs> Games prequel coming out, and I'm like, is anyone excited about a Hunger Games prequel? Do you want to see what happened before President Snow was president? I get no frisson of excitement when the trailer comes on. But actually, that I'll happens take now. more Hunger Games. I didn't know there was a prequel. See, I'm excited. Yeah, I'm just younger than the two of you. <laughs> <laughs> we go to the picture houses <laughs> to see the motion pictures. Um. Yeah, so, I mean, I obviously offloaded a little bit there, but, yeah, I think we're dancing around this a little bit. This film, I feel, could have been so much tighter if... So, so in this, the main character, he's called Mike, and he starts the film as he loses his job because he rugby tackles a man in a mall because he's a, secure, he's a mall cop, basically. And we learn later that he gets triggered. He got triggered by that man because he thought the man was abducting the kid, because when Mike was a kid, his brother was abducted. And so basically there's a lot of child abduction and child murder law in this film. And that's why I said earlier, maybe the tone isn't quite, they treat that with so 
such seriousness and, and why would you not why wouldn't you treat it with seriousness but um it did make me think though uh what this film would be like if it was paul blart mall cop uh <laughs> in the in the scenario it wants to treat that seriously and then we have like the goofy animal stuff and also there's all this other weird stuff like like people die and then no one seems to care like the opening scene is like the previous security guard basically getting killed um and then like what what does his ham family think and that's these sort of horror <laughs> things you can't think too hard about we we um when when mike gets fired for tackling a man he thought was abducting a kid he goes and meets um matthew ellard's Matthew Lillard's character, sorry, um, who is a career counsellor. But spoilers, we find out later he's the mastermind behind the whole thing. He's the person who's been abducting kids. Um, so, the, but at the time, Matthew Lillard tells Mike that he has to work at this place. But he doesn't say that, actually. He's like, oh, oh, I've got, I've got this job. If you're interested, I've got this job. He, he, it's... It's just he sees Mike's surname, yes, and we don't learn the surname, and he pauses and then suddenly reveals this job because mm. uh very suspiciously um you know he 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 i guess the reason being is that he is aware that he uh, did abduct his little brother, recognizes the surname, and is kind of like, ah, oh, this will be some kind of perfect ironic symmetry uh, during my big monologuing at the end or something. I guess we have to assume that, yes, because you'd think actually, you know what, I should keep the guy, he's probably on the mission to find my missing brother, I should keep him as far away from my base of operators <laughs> as possible. Because I don't know really what his master plan is, because we, we find out that the ghost so he killed these kids i mean Fr freddie fuzzbears the pizza place closes down really because five kids go missing kind of there I, but the body's never found because matthew did character what's the name of of the main antagonist who he's playing william afton yeah yeah he's introduced as steve at the start but he reveals himself as william afton and i believe his cast when his casting was announced, they announced that he's playing that character. So I guess anyone who's aware of any casting announcements when he appears at the start. I mean, actually, also he's the only named actor. So almost like as soon as he appears, I'm like he's probably going to be the villain at the end because he's acting all shifty. And I think it's clear that he's definitely involved heavily in the plot. Um, you don't just see him like pop up at the start and then disappear because he is just acting incredibly weird um he does sort of say he kind of i suppose acts a little bit like the the voice machine uh the voice messages he in does. the game because he's he sort of saying guy. stuff like you know the the pay isn't great but the hours are worse yeah and that's uh, and that sort of thing he basically he says all those lines from the telephone guy that's mm -hmm. why i didn't question it too much even though he seems so important in a way because he's so weird but mm. i this is, again, where I really loved the movie. And I thought, oh, this is so cool because does it really make sense in the game that this person on the phone tells you all this stuff but doesn't interfere? And, like, yeah. why do they know? But, you know, so I was like, this is amazing because it's so over the top and weird and he's so creepy. Mm -hmm. 
And then I just for I didn't forget about it, but I was like, that's it. That's just what they did with that. And I mm. didn't really see him come back later. I guess it is a bit of stunt casting, being that uh, he's probably best known for Scream and for Scooby Doo as playing Shaggy and Wing um, Commander, so of course. And in the name of the king. That's true. That's who he is. Um, but I guess it makes sense because, like his the the when he appears at the end in full yellow bunny outfit, it's very much like a sort of uh, Scooby Doo moment because you know it's like unmasking the real killer, oh, and then man. it's just like I would have gotten away with it if it wasn't for you meddling security guard. But also, uh, why keep hiring security guards? <laughs> yeah, I actually you know, so here's you need to I need some help here. Because what was his actual plan? Because he, I think he is, but he killed these kids years ago. He inserted them into uh, the. He hid their bodies inside the Freddy Fuzzbear and friends outfits, and then their ghosts bring those outfits to life. I'm not sure if he was banking on that, right? I mean, this is a this. But is he a, still controls them. But he they still answer them. to him. Yeah, and he's manipulated them so they will do his bidding. I mean, it's a bit confusing because, like, it's confusing. <laughs> it's just it's just confusing because I guess usually you would have ghosts, um, infecting. You would usually in a in a in a realistic film. <laughs> You would have ghosts infecting robots and giving the robots uh, a mind of their own. And I guess you'd find out, oh, I need to somehow appease the ghosts. But these are actually ghosts who are then under the control of the man who killed them. And... Because I guess he wears the yellow bunny outfit. Yes. And in the lore of Freddy Fazbear's, it's kind of like the yellow bunny is their friend because they have all these pictures and they kind of communicate mm. through pictures and Abby, the little sister sort of befriends them through kind of drawing pictures. Yeah. And I think everything you two just said is the main problem of the movie because you described it exactly how it is in the movie. Hey, here's this creepy guy and he murdered some kids and he stuffed them in a suit and now there's ghosts <laughs> and I don't think that's as powerful as the way the games tell the story mm. because it's less upfront and you just find it out through all the lore and digging into like it. Hints. And yes, and I think that's way more powerful doing it that way around because the way it is in the games, what the guy on the telephone tells you, these animatronics are wandering around at night and if they see you they think you're meant to be one of them. You're not wearing your costume. Mm. They stuff you in it. But because the costume has this animatronic skeleton into it, and then your body and the skeleton don't both fit in there, you will die. Uh, And then you find out later that, yes, there are ghost children from Mm -hmm. these kidnapped and murdered kids, but the way this all came about is William Afton is the owner of Fastbear Entertainment. Mm-hmm. And he just loves killing. And that's also <laughs> why he keeps hiring security guards, because he loves killing people. And he loved killing those little kids. 
And the police were kind of onto him, or at least onto Fassbearer's Pizza. And they had an arrest and wanted to come and, you know, find the evidence and arrest him. But he then stuffed the kids into the suits. They could never find the bodies and later let him go again because they had no proof against him. And now that is way more terrifying if you tell it that way around, I think. Mm-hmm. Whether that story makes sense or not, you know, whatever. But it is that kind of horror story, isn't it? Where you're faced with a terrifying situation and then you find the details and that always, always goes into that kind of telenovela kind of realm, yeah. I think. Um, but it works because then you're already scared. Now, I like, I mean, I do like the whole idea. I mean, again, it's as ludicrous as it is. I like the whole idea of like the ghosts of children kind of almost like suffering i mean ghosts are like in limbo and i like the idea of them sort of suffering inside these robots um robots just trying to make friends i think what muddies the water at least in the film i i don't know what the william the serial killer's control over them adds to the plot or anything like that and the way the way he's defeated is like abby like draws a picture of the um, of the yellow rabbit like killing children, and then that makes them realize that the yellow rabbit slash serial killer man is a bad guy. I think. Um, I guess they depicted how the, the, these children are like very visual orientated or something, but then like in the dream space, they're talking to Mike. Like Mike, the thing is, so that all these dreams of Mike and he, he takes sleeping pills so he can have these like lucid dreams. And and I think actually if they are separate from the film, they're, they're shot pretty well and uh, a little bit unnerving. I, I feel how, um, who's the actor? Josh Hutchinson, is it? Josh Hutchinson, yes, yep. of the aforementioned Hunger Games. Of the Hunger Games. Although he's still... It still looks like a tiny child. He still looks like he did in Sathura, just with a bit more stubble. <laughs> um, like, when we first enter the dream space, we see a young actor play him of what would be his age, but then we cut to him as an adult. And I kind of buy it. It could have been cringe, but I kind of bought that. But these sequences, they just last a little bit too long, and I feel they could have been cut right back and and felt more almost more like more unreality. It could have been more, more dreamlike in a way where you're not quite sure what's going on. Mm. And I think it's just quite repetitive. I mean, obviously five nights at Freddy's it had, you know, the idea is that it's like a sort of a repetition of sort of like you're in the same scenario as you're playing the game. Uh, but you know, here, like it seems like he's playing on an easy mode. Because, you know, he gets away pretty easily, like the first night and then the second night. Okay, he ends up with a bit of a scratch, but it's sort of like... I was counting I don't the nights. Know, he, it felt like more nights. I'm sure I'm yeah. sure on the page they make very clear. They were very careful to make sure it was definitely five nights. And I feel like it's just missing like a title or something where it's just like night one, night oh, two, like in like the that. games. like And even just like that approach to 6am. I know at the very start of the film, he's got like a 6am, you know, that appears on his alarm clock and that's like a hint uh, or a reference. Um, but just having that, I think would kind of like 
help with the pacing of the film as well. So, you know, it's like night two, night three, mm. and it would just, you know, match the games. Yeah, um, I actually, I watched, and John, John Carpenter loves to do that. And he did that, I think, in Halloween. And I think he's done that in a few other films. But I saw Christine recently, which is, which is actually, that's a cult film, which I thought was pretty boring, actually. But he... Um, <laughs> We do it almost randomly, so we'd we do like these massive jumps as well for like a few weeks at a time for no good reason. Didn't really add to the plot. Um, I do feel those could have just been cut down. I think, and yeah. um, we could have got to the Freddy stuff just a little bit, a little bit more. Welcome to Freddy Fazbear's Pizzeria, where fantasy and fun come to life. Hit it, guys! If you're watching this video, it means you've been selected as Freddy's newest security guard. Hello? We're going to have so much fun together. And also just the, the whole family dynamic. So confusing. Like, it, it, <laughs> I mean, just, we're it, just not used to sisters. A... We, I assumed it was his, his kid, right, at the start? Yeah. Yeah, I think we all did. But it, like... As in society. <laughs> a, like, there's like a, you know, it, it's fine to have like a big grown-ass man with a little baby sister. Um but because his little brother died and the little sister obviously wasn't in the flashback for so long ago, did the parents like, well, I guess our baby son has been kidnapped, so let's have another child. And that seems it, doesn't it? it? You know, you know, the char- other characters confuse uh, the sister as being his daughter and she's like gross. So they acknowledge that it's weird. But then when the aunt character appears and it's just like, is she the aunt of, like, I don't know, is she like a step-aunt or something? She's trying to get custody of of Abby. And, you know, the reason he takes the job is to stop the sort of pressure from his aunt. But also, Cause, cause you know, can, he's... Because the parents are dead. So she's, yeah. she's somebody's sister. But yeah. they also don't mention that until, like, way late. It's, yeah. I mean, I then, kept thinking, where are the parents? And then, like... They just make it even more confusing. There's this babysitter called Max who hangs around the house like she is yeah. Mike's sister. Yeah, totally. And then suddenly the aunt is in a diner having a conversation with this babysitter who also has a brother. And just like, is this her own kid? So like Mike's cousin? And then it's just like, no, she's just a babysitter who's brought her brother along who happens to have like a gang of thugs. And it's just like, can it just be like a father and a daughter? Mm-hmm. Just make it simple. It doesn't need to be so convoluted. I mean, one might really argue add anything. it's quite refreshing to have like a, bro- a brother with a young daughter. But I feel this film maybe sister. suffers a bit. It's a young sister. <laughs> Ideally. But, um, yeah, I think you're highlighting this. This film suffers a bit when it comes to the details. Like I mentioned, I mentioned earlier how the security card dies. Um, and no one seems to care. And you could say, I mean, again, 
maybe I'm overthinking this. And yeah, the, we learn that the owner of the restaurant ain't going to report deaths on the property because it's in his best interest being the baddie, not reporting that stuff. But like later on, those delinquents, Max, the Maxine, the, the babysitter and her gang, they're all killed by um, the robots. I'm assuming under the... Con- it's very fuzzy whether the robots are killing people because they're the kids who want friends or if they're killing people because the baddie serial killer is controlling them um but basically four or five people die and nothing gets reported i mean i guess this is taking place over the space of a few days so maybe there's a statute on yeah you can't report people missing until like two three days and i think also Mm -hmm. there's the vanessa character yes who is the a fake this cop? Is, this is a well, I think she's a real cop. Yeah, she's police. She's she on the beat. She doesn't do, but she spends her entire evenings in this one location. Well, she has a special interest, so she has introduced herself as the pizzeria is on her beat. That's why she's checking in on Mike. Um, security guards don't last long. There's a lot of turnover, and she kind of warns him like don't get that let this place get to you and she talks a lot about how she spent a lot of time there when she was a kid she could have said there's killer robots on the first night though because he's gonna find (laughs) out eventually yeah she does sort of say later on i was trying to warn you in my own way and it's just like make it explicit please (laughs) next time your way does not work lady Um, just play last last week's vcr and security footage and you'll see it yeah But she runs sort of very hot and cold. She's kind of like, let's look at the animals. And also, isn't it nice that your sister is here and we're playing with the animals because they're best friends and we're building a fort together to the Trigger Happy TV theme tune. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I mean, there is this sort of oasis of calm when the robots are nice because they love Abby Mm. because they they view her as their new friend. Yeah, we don't know yet, so they want to take it too far and turn her into a robot kid. So they are sort of behaving a bit more sort of childlike. But then Abby gets accidentally electrocuted, and then all of a sudden she's like, "Don't ever bring her again." And I don't know. I mean, it, it turns out eventually that she is actually the daughter of William Afton. So she's sort of, I suppose, clearing up after her dad. Uh, so that's why maybe like she tells Mike that there was a break in, but I guess she sort of just either got rid of the bodies or stuffed them into other machines. Well, no, but just kind of like lying there in the room. workshop. Yeah, but who they? did that? That's her. Which would be the robots. The They're robots. We, no, later, oh. well, later on, we get to we find the workshop, and that's where we find the group all murdered in the in the pile. But I honestly can't remember if like there are multiple cop cars or it was just her. Like the next it's day. just her. I think it's not that complicated. I think like William Afton is her father, and he tasks her with, as he says, one job. You need to, um, you know, keep an eye on the security guards, and if they come too close, you kill them. So that's literally what she does. As her, she's a real cop. So she tells her work, I'm, you know, I don't know, patrolling the area. But then what she does for her father is she covers up the crime 
and commits them herself so he doesn't get uncovered or hurt or stopped in any way. But like, I guess back to the main question is like, why is he hiring security guards? Does he want people to... Uh, does he want... He likes killing. I think he likes killing. Yeah, I think that's he fine. He's really a psychopath. But like, you think he would want to he do the killing. He should have just said that at the end. He like, just monologuing. Just like, I love killing. Yeah, but that I would have helped me a lot. Those kid robot animals to do it for me. Yeah. If he really liked killing, um, he would have had like a Sweeney Todd style chair in his career counselling office and everyone coming in would just like would get dropped into like the basement and get <laughs> murdered there being like job center plus murder. I, I suppose. I mean, I, I did like the, I'm going to say it's the saw chair because there's no way to describe it, the torture <laughs> chair, which just has the sort of the face with the grinding gears all kind of like moving towards um, their victim. And it's kind of like, well, at least it's sort of like saw for, tweens <laughs> yeah i mean i won't doubt there's there's nothing comfortable about lots of bl- rotating blades coming towards your face that's that's a good <laughs> little bit of horror and that's definitely like oh that's getting quite close oh my goodness in the uh, later games they explain his love for killing because he wants to be immortal and then we get into that whole kind of I kill other people to get their essence and then I become immortal. But that's more about the kids he's killing. So the security guard thing is a bit questionable. Mm. But just for all the fans that will comment underneath your podcast <laughs> to acknowledge that this reasoning <laughs> is given. If only we could understand why psychopaths love killing. Oh. We wanted to make sure we were doing the fan base justice in every decision that we made along the way. They were really at the forefront of our minds. What sets this movie apart from others is the care that was taken with the story to create something based on a beloved game. Scott Coffin is heavily involved and is watching every single shot. There's a lot of attention to detail. So I think for those hardcore Five Nights at Freddy's fans out there, they can rest assured that we are taking care of their world, taking care of their game, and taking care of these characters. This film is going to be a fan favorite. I mean, we have such an incredible legion of fans out there. Uh, And I think one of the exciting things is that we are making this movie for them, and I think they're gonna really respond to that. So I don't know. I'm getting a sense. Well, we're all a little well, we're all a little bit down in different ways, um, sadly. Um, but like, I'm guessing a sequel's gonna happen, and there's um, plenty of games to pull from. So maybe things will make a little bit more sense. There's definitely a few teasers which. Um, I don't know whether they're just throwaway Easter eggs or setting things up in future, but a few things which I watched and struck me as odd, but I assume will pay off later. Um, as well as the animatronics, there's this little figure which is called Balloon Boy, which kind of pops up at different moments. Um, I've got a suspicion that might be the ghost of Garrett, the little brother. Just oh, yeah, because... what happened to his brother? Wasn't that a <laughs> Wasn't that just a joke we were saying? 
Yeah, but like, why not? Okay. Yeah. What well, in the um, games? He's just balloon boy. Okay. Just, just from, yeah. Can you, just it has a mind of its own. Does that whole Garrett? So his brother Garrett has gone missing. He go. He kind of spends the whole film dreaming where where is who is the person who adopted <laughs> yeah. Garrett? Where is Garrett? Um, I guess we that is Matthew Lillard's character, right? We assume. Yeah, I think we established that because of his name. But he's um, the killer. Yeah, yeah, he's the killer. But did he find his brother in the film in the dream or as an animal or something? No, no one cares about Garrett. I'm sure it's that just must have happened. It's just the sixth killed child that no one talks about. Yeah. Um, I got distracted I by just all think... the other murdered children. Yeah. <laughs> um, what else? I did like the the VHS tape, the sort of training oh, the video. orientation that was like video. Yeah, that was good. Yeah, and I was, I was sort mm. of expecting more of that. And I think just in general, like I said about the humour... I'm not expecting lots of like gags or whatever, but I think maybe the two sort of best little comedy bits were there was the waiter in the diner, which was like lunch is the most important meal of the day. <laughs> uh, that, yeah, that's a good line. And I think he, him and the cabbie were like YouTubers getting. Curious. Yeah, they're like popular streamers. So the waiter is Matt Pat. And the cab driver, which I guess is also the other sort of funny performance, is Coriette Kenshin, spoken like a true <laughs> person who understands who these people are. I understand that uh, Markiplier, who is maybe the most famous Five Nights at Freddy's streamer, uh, he was potentially going to play the security guard at the start, but... Oh, that would have been so cute. He <laughs> could not do it due to scheduling because he is making his own film, an adaptation of horror video game Iron Lung. Iron Lung? I have not played it or seen it, but I think it's set in a submarine. Iron uh, Lung. Yes. Like a lung made of iron. Yes. Okay. Like Iron Man. Okay. But just as lung. Iron Lung. Iron Lung, the game. It sounds like tea. Tony Stark recreated his lungs in a cave using scraps. So he's still alive. Yeah, I, I think that like other confusing, just sort of how it sort of how it sort of wraps up, I suppose. Like in the dream, Mike decides sort of suggests he's given an offer, an ultimatum, like he can live with Garrett forever in the dreamland, but he has to sacrifice Abby. And he's like, okay, sounds good. <laughs> and then he's like, no, wait. And then they're like, no backsies. And I just sort of think. Dude, I know you've been dreaming a lot, but you just threw your little sister under the bus. Yeah, I mean, but again, do you want to hear how? It... Sorry, go ahead. No, I'm just saying it's a bit like the aforementioned Oppenheimer. Make me a bomb, okay? Oh, wait a minute, bombs kill people. Boo hoo! <laughs> <laughs> That's the plot of Oppenheimer. I'm. I've, I feel like this podcast has ruined my taste because they only like films. Like, <laughs> oh, no, 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 I like I like crap basically. <laughs> but you were saying, Lisa. Well, the whole family relationships of everyone gets even more confusing if you're actually very into the lore of the mm. games. Because William Afton has three kids. One of them, Michael Afton, or as he goes by, Mike Schmidt. Right. And Vanessa now. in the games is nothing to, is not a, a relative of um, exactly. William at all i mean i think in a way that's a good idea to i mean although 
to do an adaptation but then change things to surprise fans as much as you know as new per people so that sounds all right but as you say it can also cause confusions if you're like completely expecting something to happen and then like you just can't write it in your own brain perhaps I like it too. It just makes it even more convoluted because yes, so Vanessa is the security guard in another game, Security Breach, not the daughter. The daughter is Elizabeth, but not Elizabeth Lyle, the actress who plays Vanessa, which is Elizabeth. (laughs) And then there's Ethan, who isn't in the movie at all because we got Garrett and Abby. And Abby isn't his daughter, or if she is, is she Elizabeth? It just gets so confusing. And is Mike actually the son? And and why is that Freddy animatronic that goes to claim Abby in the taxi cab looking mangled and have a blue eye and then disappears? Is that like a ghost? Robot ghost? I mean, because it was so dark, I and this is sacrilege, I didn't even realise Freddy was wearing like a top hat until like really late in the film. So like... <laughs> there was like and i think one of the what the in the dream sequences the ghost kids they are wearing things like a top hat or bunny ears i think to kind of visually identify which character they are in the real world but like i still didn't connect like the whole top hat thing to like quite late so that's me like just noticing for the first time mario wears a cap with his let with a letter, it's like, <laughs> so, oh, Mary, where's oh, he wears the hat. Oh, he has a mustache. Didn't even notice. Um, speaking of costumes, I actually thought like the yellow bunny outfit at the end. It looked like Zippity Bunny from Animal Crossing around Easter time. Oh yeah, and like Zippity Bunny has like a big zip on his back, and like you're not allowed to look at the zip because, unlike the other animals in Animal Crossing, it's like someone or something in a bunny costume it's not a bunny character so now i kind of know another reason why people like really hated animal crossing when it first came out because it was like easter time when it was released people were just like oh no any zippity bunny everywhere and being annoying but also it, it's probably evil <laughs> like the five nights of freddy's bunny yeah it might be a homage even but do we have anything else to say about this film? I, I feel just, again, yeah, feel like I'm going over the same ground, but I just, I kind of just wish it was just a little bit scarier, a little bit more leading into the tension that you get in the games. And as, well, you, said, as you said at the start, maybe a little less involvement from the creator meant would maybe have more judicious editing. I think as well, just the fact that the whole reveal of the fact that these robots are possessed by the ghosts of dead children just happens far too early on, or at least is like made mm-hmm. explicit far too early on. And I think they could have really built the tension up. So it's more of a big reveal at the end because all these kids have gone missing. Maybe you think the robots are responsible. It's like, you think the robots killed the kids. It's like, no, the robots are the kids. Um, that would have been and good. It could have just, yeah, and then exactly. it, it would have meant that the the robots would have been more threatening for longer because as soon as you know what their deal is and they do start like playing around and having a fort and all this kind of stuff while they then reintroduce the sort of the sinister aspect of them later on it's like yeah but i know now so it's it's no longer as scary and i just sort of think i understand like five nights you couldn't do it all at once 
you would need some breaks and daytime. But just if it was more kind of self-contained, if it was a bit more of a like an Evil Dead 2, someone alone in a, you know, a self-contained area for the majority of the time, or even like Assault and Precinct 13 to speak of John Carpenter or Alien. Both those things are trapped, a bit like, And in the game, yeah. you feel trapped. Yeah. Most of the time, he clocked in, fell asleep, and clocked out again. Yeah. Um, so it just it felt like it just... It didn't capture anything of the essence of the game. I'm sure it captured a lot of the backstory, a lot of the lore, um, and did so in a very kind of muddled and confusing way for anyone who's not completely sort of read up on the scenario. Um, but yeah, just like it was never an issue with the power supply or locking the doors or even watching the monitors. So I just sort of feel like you've got the setting, you've got the characters, the you know the animatronics. But I don't know nothing else. If I was a fan, I'd be a bit sort of distraught. But um, I guess I'm not a fan, so I'm just disappointed. <laughs> but I think you could make this exact same movie, same stories. You know, I think the act, the casting is really great. Um, the visuals are really great, as in how they recreated um, the set and everything. I think you could make that same movie, but if you structured, like you said, the reveals differently, you had more of the gameplay in there, so to say, more of the dread, and you just you shifted the order of things, it would be a very different movie. And I think, again, the game's all the lore works because it's so subtle, hidden between all the jump scares and all the uh, darkness and dread and it's also quite mysterious, you know, you just know people by the purple guy, the crying child, the bite of 83, all that kind of underlying stuff that you peel off the layers as you play mm. game four, five, VR, help wanted, and so on and so on. And I think the movie is just like, here's all the lore, there you go. <laughs> and here's a bit of movie now. Yeah. And I think that's the wrong way around. It's not a bad thing in itself, but it's done the wrong way around, and that's why the impact doesn't happen. Hmm. I'll be interested to see what the drop off is box office wise, because this has had a big like opening, but maybe, and you know, because of films have big opening basically because of hype, not critical reviews, because of of, of marketing. So it'll be interesting to see if it's gate continues momentum or if there's a quite a big drop off probably by the time this podcast comes out and we'll be like oh they're wrong <laughs> but we'll see <laughs> but you know hopefully it was i don't know as i say we try and celebrate video game movies and even though the film itself isn't super super great um hopefully at the second try they'll be uh they'll take our criticisms on board <laughs> Ignore the fan base. Ignore Listen to three very casual observers. Yeah. <laughs> it wasn't bad, bad. It was just not what I wanted it yeah. to be. Uh, I mean, which yeah, is why Blumhouse should hire me. Yeah. No, I mean, I do. I think Blumhouse, I like them too, but they've released, um, like, I've not seen Exorcist Believer, but they used to be like hit makers, but they've had kind of some wobbles recently. Though I, I watched. Um, oh. Watched... Megan was a big 
made a big cultural splash. Yeah. 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 Well, Megan, I still think that was pretty mid. I actually got it on Blu-ray so I could watch the extra violent version. It wasn't that much more violent. It's fine. (laughs) Um, But I actually really liked, uh, in the same way that The Matrix Revolutions like really trolled its fan base, I think Halloween Ends is such a troll. It just trolls everyone. It's so not a Halloween film. Uh, (laughs) So... um, I kind of admire that sort of thing. And again, they sort of have a studio who makes low budget and then high return films. Because this film wasn't very high budget at all, was it? Uh, so um, no. they're already laughing to the bank. So little money, honestly. Yay. 21 million, that's nothing. Mm-hmm. Profits. Why well, doesn't it have like super big stars, you know? Just Hutcherson. And you could get, you could get yeah, like two but, and a half you know. screenings. <laughs> in the same amount of time you could get a killer of the flower moon. <laughs> but that's even more of a shame that they didn't use the set more than, I mean, what an effort to make that set and the, uh, the animatronics and then. Ah, eh. uh, they're in storage. Wait for the sequel. But okay. Here's one good thing. I loved when they bit that lady in two, because again, <laughs> that was such a shocker. And that was such mm. a Lisa horror moment where it's quite horrible what it's happens, but you though, can right? easily watch it. Yeah, it's so dark. You don't really... And there's a bit of blood, but again, it's just black because it's really dark. What a well-done kind of low-gore, really gory moment. I love that. Did you... So um, good. When you saw Magician's Leash there, when when the guys <laughs> and the magician saw the lady in half, you're like, yeah, yeah, chop her in half, no blood, yeah. No, I actually kind of hate that. I always think it's going to go wrong. Or they do like fake blood and that's too much. No. (laughs) You want to see the real thing. (laughs) And when they kill all the gangsters, that's a legit really great moment, I think. Yeah. I mean, that's well done. That's that's, creepy and cool. That's kind of what you came for. What I came for, at least. Just think how many people can can like, be killed i guess the problem is with with the setup is that you can't kill the main character as many times as he dies in the game <laughs> because, <laughs> because then it'll be a short film it'd be called one night he always Freddy's. comes back always comes back as they say well uh what's until we come back rory <laughs> how can people keep in touch with games on film more information about the podcast and video game movies on our website, gamesonfilm.witsite.com slash podcast. We're on all the various social medias, at least uh, the main important ones. At... We're not on TikTok because you're old. Yeah, <laughs> we old. We're on uh, your parents' social media channels at gamesonfilmpod. You can contact us, gamesonfilmpod at gmail.com. All episodes of the podcast are available wherever podcasts are available. That's stuff like Apple Podcasts, Spotify. So please do like, rate, review, share, and subscribe. We're on on vinyl, which you could play on your gramophones. (laughs) (laughs) We're on wireless. Um, And uh, I am on X slash Twitter at Rory Steele. I'm at Only Man Who Can. And the music for this episode was composed by David Lightfoot. Lisa, do you want anyone to follow you on any other things? Or do you have anything you'd like to share or announce? No, please stay away from me. <laughs> Especially if you're in I'm a robot on suit. X. 
<laughs> Especially if they're in a robot suit. I want to exit LT Downy Dent. Okie dokie. Uh, and we have an event coming up, Ooh. returning to the One Up Cafe in Brighton uh, for our next video game movie presentation. We'll be screening the classic Street Fighter, starring Jean-Claude Van Damme, Raoul Julia, and Kylie Minogue. Oh, brilliant! And that will be. <laughs> I kind of remember she's in it. <laughs> <laughs> And that will be coming up uh, later in November. So please do follow us on the social medias and details of that event will be coming up soon. Well, we've, we've got to the end of our shift. We've made it to 6am <laughs> and uh, perhaps we'll be back for another shift um, in the future for this franchise. Uh, I've been Harry. <laughs> I've been Rory. I've been Lisa. Take care. Bye. Bye. I feel like we were a lot more negative than we actually feel. Oh, no. I was as negative as I feel. <laughs> <laughs> Ha 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 ha!